It is your home for the wild, the weird, and everything in between in the sports world. This is Out of Bounds with John Alba and me, O'Brien. And that's exactly who you're looking at right now here on Know Your News. Me, O'Brien, you're back. Yes, your hat does signify you are, in fact, me, O'Brien. I got ripped apart on my radio show today for this. Is I've it had this hat for years. Of the brand? What? Is it self-promotion of the brand? No, not at all. I bought it from Francesca's. There's an, oh, like when you go to Francesca's, which is like a girly store, um, you, you go and there's in Florida, there's a JAX for Jacksonville. There's an ORL for Orlando okay. and there's an MIA for Miami. But obviously uh, I, had, I had to buy it uh, for, my, for my own purposes. Yes. For the brand. Got it. Okay. Yes. So, I am also, I'm also, I've also got the jacks going. So well, listen, I was going to ask. So when, Florida, when it hurts. When you were a kid, was it hard for you to find in the gift shops where they'd be like, here's the license plate with the names on it. Here's the. I was literally commiserating with an Uber driver this weekend in Kansas city about this. Cause her niece's name is Mia. And she said, she goes, yeah, it's such a pretty name. Like, she, and you know, I love buying her personal stuff. Cause this woman's name was also kind of random. Um, and so she's like, I could never buy those things. And I went, yeah, same. Never could buy the personalized stuff. My parents go nuts now because now there's so many Mia's running around that like my mom will buy me the little kid mugs and the little kid uh, name or um, uh, dinner plate, dinner mat things. Right, right, right. Yeah, I have all I have all of those. But yeah, so that's where I was, everyone. Thanks for joining us. That's where I was last week. Uh, you know, just hanging out, uh, hanging out in good old uh, Jacks with the fam Sarah visiting. Marshall. Sarah Marshall did a great job filling in. We did not forget Sarah Marshall. She was here on this program and she did an awesome job. But we are glad to have you back. Also, a reminder, guys, if you want to interact with the show, leave us them super chats. We'll read them on air. You can type them right in on YouTube. It's super convenient or you can head over to kynchat.com and leave it there as well. We'll read it. But YouTube, if that's easiest for you, that's totally fine. We have our eyes on the prize here on Out of Bounds. And Mia, I say we waste no more time. Let's get a little open and toasty toast going here. Uh, I was I making love- sure I was pro- promoting the link in case the music just went off there. Oh, no, you're good. I would, okay. I, I would love for you to lead us in our toast this week given you just were in the barbecue capital of the world in kansas city that's that's well that's up for discrepancy but you were in kansas city you're been you were gone last week so give us give us a little something good this week yes absolutely i would like to cheers to um well i'll I'll start with this um i have been to kansas city before um Mm -hmm. i have never flown into kansas city um, but I had driven there from when I lived in Iowa. You may have heard a time or two that I lived in Iowa. Um, and so I have driven there, um, okay. never flown in through the airport. We'll start with that. Nicest people in the world at that airport, which is getting renovated since they will be hosting the NFL draft next okay. year. The Uber and Lyft drivers across the board, the nicest human beings, nicest drivers I have ever had. Is this a but toast to public transportation? No, What's- it's going to be a toast to the good people of Kansas City in the Midwest because I forgot how wonderful they are, John Alba. Um, oh. We get to the, this is the exclamation point. This is the climactic moment. I'm on the field. It's 25 degrees pregame in Kansas City, which for you in the Northeast, everybody up there, that's normal. For me growing up in the Northeast, you would think it is. Unfortunately, however, um, now I live in Florida. So 25 degrees, pretty cold. The good security guards of Arrowhead Stadium just start handing me hand warmers. Wow. Put them in your shoes. Where? Here you go. Here's another one. Here's another one. Okay. And, and I'm not even on the field during the game, but they went up to the, some of the other photographers and gave them to them. That's very and, thoughtful. And all I could think was, meanwhile, the Jaguar security, uh, not Jaguar, excuse me, safe security that runs TIA Bank Field, because it's not just for Jaguars, it's for everything else. They spend most of their time yelling at me. 
And so this cheers is for the good people cheers. of Kansas City and just how hospitable they were and what's such great hosts. So I would I would like to send a cheers to the good people of the Midwest. I make fun of Midwest nice sometimes, but there is nothing like it in the whole mm. world. Cheers to that and to public transportation in the Midwest. I guess it's better. So I would also like to uh, cheers to our good friend, Andrew Badillo, who mm, uh, brought me some sour beers. Look how pretty these, yeah, this is, yeah, so pretty. Pretty. this is blueberry boyfriend. So interesting. Closest interesting. thing to a boyfriend I have these days. <laughs> well, again, guys, leave us your super chats, get involved with the show. We'll read your chat on air. The easiest way to do it is just right there on YouTube or you can head to KYNchat.com. Mia, we are not going to waste any more time. We're going to get underway here on Out of Bounds. You were not covering this game, but everyone was talking about instead. That, of course, the Bills and Vikings game. This was one of the most insane regular season games you're ever going to see. There were mistakes all around, and there were capital, uh, capitalizing on mistakes. There were one-handed catches, and if you didn't catch it, in the fourth quarter, this, this was so insane. The Bills appeared to have a four-point win in hand. They got a fourth and goal stop. And then all of a sudden, at the goal line, coughed the ball up. The Vikings turned it into a touchdown. They took the lead. And uh, we were off to the races. The Bills would then go on to attempt to tie it in overtime. But instead, Josh Allen threw an interception. And Patrick Peterson would pick that off. The Bills no longer in outright first place. Instead, the New York football Jets are up there. The Miami Dolphins are up there. One of the craziest games of all time. But Mia, this is a reactionary society and people are saying it's the greatest NFL regular season game ever. Do you agree with that? No, because we thought that the Rams and the Chiefs in Mexico four years ago was the greatest game ever. And and we thought that the Bills and the Chiefs playoff game last year in the divisional round was the greatest football game ever played in the National Football League. It's completely reactionary. I don't think Kirk Cousins is that legit. I think he's a game manager. Um, well, I think he's done a very good job. And I would like to also give credit to Kevin O'Connell, their head coach, who's a first-year head coach. And he's been able to essentially just take this team that had talent already – and ensure that they're not losing one score games like historically the Minnesota Vikings have and like the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars find themselves continuing to lose because for whatever the reason, they can't eliminate those last minute penalties or those last minute, execute those last minute game, whatever it is, whether it's not fumbling the ball or whether it's not getting a penalty or something like that. For whatever the reason, some teams are plagued by that. I give the Minnesota Vikings credit that they have been able to not be that team like they have been in the past few years. Um, but I still think that they are they remain a quarterback away from getting over the hump into the NFC Championship game. This game at times was a beautiful train wreck. Uh, at other times, it was mystifying. The Justin Jefferson catch uh, was truly... I, I like to try and be rational when I see things happen in front of me in sports. And I'm a big fan of recognizing greatness when it's in front of you. I think that was probably a top five catch I've ever seen in my lifetime, especially mm -hmm. in context of the moment. Is that too much of a stretch? No, not at all. We knew OBJ's one-handed catch in the moment was one of the greatest catches, and it was nowhere near in that in, in that competitive of a football game when he had his one-handed grab in this game these are two teams that at least in record in terms of wins and dubs which many people tell me on my radio show that that's the only stat that matters um they're pretty high up there this year and so this was two of the best teams allegedly in the national football league going at it they needed this win and the, and the vikings got it done and no i think uh the, the funniest part for me john is um 
Do you know uh, the two players that were taken uh, ahead of Justin Jefferson at number 22 overall in the 2020 NFL draft? Do you know the two players that were taken at 20 and 21? Enlighten. Uh, at number 20, the Jacksonville Jaguars select the wrong LSU Tiger. They took Kayla Von Chase on, mm. outside linebacker, defensive end, bench warmer. Uh, and then, at, wait, wait, it gets better. At number 21, Doug Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles select the wrong wide receiver, Jalen Rager, out of TCU, Rager, yeah. who now plays for which team, John? The Minnesota Vikings. It's a beautiful tragedy. I was watching this game, and I tweeted the end of this. The Bills-Vikings game is like using a dating app, full of unexpected twists, turns, and critical mistakes. But occasionally you say, wow, that's impressive, before remembering how you got there. And I do think, though, there's a bigger question here. I mean, if we want to get into with the NFL nerds, um, I mean, Josh Allen has, I mean, he needs Tommy John surgery. Like they're trying to avoid it. Sure it but feels he, needs, like that. he needs Tommy John surgery. Um, he is not a hundred percent. He's a warrior. He's playing through it. And that's great. But there also comes a time where you have to say like, yes, the bills are competitive right now. And they obviously are. They don't have to run game. Right. But they've never had a run game and they neither do the Chiefs game. for what it's worth outside of their quarterback. But here's the thing. If you're the bills, if you really, if this is your Super Bowl window and this is your year, Obviously, you don't want him to be gone for the rest of the season, but do you shut him down for a couple weeks and say, whatever, we'll take a I loss would, here and there so that we I have him for the stretch run? do that because you have a little bit of breathing room with the expanded playoffs. That you know that you can rebound. You've got other talent aside from just him. So I'm, I'm definitely with you on that. And maybe by shutting him down and getting your running game going a little bit, you might be able to service yourself and make yourself more multifaceted as you try to make a postseason run. I, I want to say this. We have seen times in the past where guys have avoided Tommy John with different programs. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka from the New York Yankees, a pitcher, basically tore part of his UCL in his first season with the Yankees in 2013, and he managed to avoid it his entire time there and was still very effective. So I do think if you're proactive with it, you can find ways around it. But with that said, it was clear watching this game and watching Allen that his throws were lacking a little bit of zip, but it was also his decision-making. We saw a lot of rookie decision-making from him. If you remember his rookie season, there was a lot of, well, the talent's there, but I don't know if he can put that together. And maybe he's so confident in his arm that he feels like he can make those throws. But when you're not at 100%, you can't be making those decisions. Correct. I mean, that, and that's should what they the, have taken the safety, Mia. Would I have what? Should, should they have taken the safety there at the goal line? Again, they had a four-point lead. True. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and they're right there on the goal line. I didn't even think about it that way. Um yeah, in theory, uh, that would be a very Iowa move. Uh, Kirk Ferentz has done that a time or two uh, and has been like you know publicly shamed for it. But guess what? They won those games, including the yeah. infamous uh, six to four win over Penn State back in two thousand and five or whatever little, it was. You yeah. got to eat a little crow sometimes in order to come out on top. And I just thought that was a really questionable decision making there. But I'll also say this much: um, I I have an unofficial stat. It actually relates to an official stat in the National Football League that is red zone turnovers. Um, I like to call it the effort stat. And the top five quarterbacks that currently lead the way in the effort stat. Um, I'm just going to throw it down there anyways because I'm better than everybody else. Are uh, in red zone turnovers. Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. All five guys that, at least based on their arm talent, believe, oh, screw it, I can figure it out, I'll fling it down there, and we'll make it work. And uh, sometimes it works, but a lot of times it doesn't. Did you know that Patrick Mahomes' dad played baseball? Did you know that Tony Gonzalez played college basketball? Did you know that the drummer 
for Nirvana as the lead singer of Foo Fighters. Did you know that Chris Hogan played lacrosse before he played for the Patriots? Did you know that Antonio Gates played college basketball? Yeah, so did Tony Gonzalez. They both did. Yeah. Um, what's, the, what's the new one? There's a new one that we wanted to add into our favorite um, cliche. Uh, I, what's the one we wanted to add earlier this year? I forget what it was. No, no, there's a million. <laughs> you go. That's my favorite game to play. But anyway, uh, this I think it's recency bias. Awesome game. But it also wasn't the prettiest game. So no, it wasn't. But also, if you go back to the Bills Chiefs in the divisional round last year, I mean, if you like defense and you like special teams, oh, that game was not pretty. So, um, but yeah, uh, also, uh, since they already got one shout out on the show, let's dive into the Las Vegas Raiders a little bit more uh, because they were defeated this weekend again in another one score game in which they are 0 6 this season by the likes of Jeff Saturday, who one week ago was an ESPN analyst watching these games from his couch. Now he is an NFL coach. Jeff Saturday's resume in terms of coaching experience, outside of the fact that he went to the playoffs 12 of 14 seasons, was a perennial pro bowler, and Peyton Manning got to touch his butt a lot. Um, the rest of his resume in terms of coaching reads, and I quote, I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm let, me, oh, let me pull out this book. Hold on. I want to make sure. Uh, yeah, here we go. Let, let's, let's read this properly, John. Um, so he uh, was a coach at Hebron Christian Academy in Dacula, Georgia. Okay. So we, we got that. And then he, uh, I'm actually reading from the Northern Iowa basketball media guide, but who cares? Um, and then, oh, oh, that's right. He, uh, he attended 2022 training camp. So he knew some of the names of the guys. And so therefore he was qualified to become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts at the spur of the moment decision by who else, but their infamous owner, Jim Irsay, who was only 63 years old. I found that out last week, John. And I was like, honestly stunned because um, maybe it's just my parents at 62 are in really good shape. Um, Jim Irsay. Uh, I mean, also, you know, psychedelic drugs have that effect on people. But the po- the personal shots. Come on. But the, no, I love Jim Irsay. He's the content machine that keeps on coming. I love him. Um, like, have, did you see the video of when they gave Jeff Saturday the game yes. ball? Like, it looks like an SNL skit. I'm here for it. So was the whole press conference last week. But anyways, I digress. The point is the Colts. After firing their head coach, hired an ESPN analyst, one of their former players, but a guy who had never coached beyond high school, and they won a game. So my question is, number one, did Jeff Saturday deserve the job? And number two, is he going to be good at this thing? Yeah, we talked a little bit about this last week where, the for me, it just really showed the it showed two discrepancies. One, obviously, there, was, there were coaches on staff already that could have stepped in and done this job, but also it, it really shows just how little – black coaches are valued in the NFL because there are plenty. Brian Flores could have been plucked from the Steelers and brought over to lead that team. If you wanted there was an NFL ready head coach right there for the taking, who did a great job with developing quarterbacks and, and talent around you. So that was the first thing I thought of, but you had Bill Cower go off on CBS about this and it went pretty viral. So Joe Thomas on good morning football too. And that yeah. went viral as well. And how they said just that it was a disgrace but meanwhile, let's talk about this here. This is a fairly common process in the NBA and Major League Baseball where guys, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. And but, we're not talking about Ime Adoka and the whole Brooklyn Nets thing. We're talking about Aaron Boone. You're talking about Aaron Boone. You're talking about Dave Roberts. Uh, they're Jason Kidd retired and immediately became the Nets head coach and brought them to the playoffs. Derek Fisher. This is something that does happen in other leagues. Does that make it right? Who's to say, but it has proven that it can work. 
I think it's more so the manner in which it happened for the Colts that was the problem. If Correct. Jeff, I think if it was a postseason move or an offseason move, I don't think there's quite as much criticism here. Hell, John, we're literally avoiding the elephant in the room, which is the head coach that I had to cover for 11 games last year. Yeah. Urban Meyer. But Urban Meyer was at least a head coach prior to In the college ranks, correct, which is true, which is true. But he had obviously never coached in the National Football League, aside from the deep dives that he claims to have taken that he did not. I think it was a deep dive down something else. Um, So, um, but yeah. Turn into a cool story where the players just see that they love Jeff Saturday and he's great and all that stuff. But what a great degree of irony there is here in beating the Raiders, a team coached by a guy that spurred the Colts. And himself had some questionable decision-making in his first time as a head coach. With and had questions about Jim Irsay, but that's okay. Sure, but my point being is, you know, McDaniel was a guy that a lot of people were like, genius. He's got so much coaching experience under Bill Belichick. Give him a shot. Well, it's been a disaster there with Las right. Vegas with him. And he lost to a guy that never coached a game in his life and didn't even know half the players on his roster. No, and they also had a play caller who, at 30 years old, the former assistant yeah. quarterbacks coach, because they fired their OC too, yeah. uh, had never called plays at any level, and they still won the game. Um, so yeah, maybe it's one of those things where like they had no film on how Jeff Saturday was going to play this game out, and they just got. Their I ass do want to give so two things. So two things. Number one, I I do like Jeff Saturday. I think he's a good dude. I think he is a motivator of men, and like that's great. And if he if that's all he is, and he kind of sits back and otherwise just says like this is stupid, like you're being dumb, like and this works and this doesn't, and all that, he's like coming at it from that elementary perspective. Maybe Jim Irsay is a genius for this move. Um, also his like post game speech, like I'm like Jim Irsay or Jeff Saturday, not Jim Irsay. Jeff Saturday is a dude that I would want to rally around. Like he he seems like that type of guy. So I'll I will say that. I then follow that up with, you know, Jim say when he hires Jeff Saturday, he's quick to note about, well, look at his playoff experience, 12 of 14 years, perennial pro bowler. John, do you know who else is currently on the Colts coaching staff? John Fox, Gus Bradley, who's there. A guy by the name of Reggie Wayne. Yeah. Do you know who Reggie Wayne is? I've heard of him. What, what, what did he do in the National I Football League? I believe he caught passes from Peyton Manning. Yeah, so time. he didn't touch his butt, but he touched the balls that he threw. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this, this show is off to a terrific start, by the way, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, language. Um, yeah, and guess what Reggie Wayne also happens to be? Uh, he was already on the staff as the wide receivers coach. He was an assistant wide receivers coach and a volunteer wide receivers coach for the past few years. And while I credit Jeff Saturday, because I see it in the comments, which please, super comments, you know, hit, hit us up. We love your questions. We love the interaction. Um, and make sure you're doing it as a... Not, not, not just a YouTube. You can we, also subscribe. We love Super Chats and KY. Super Chat it. Super Chat it. Yes. So please sign up for Super Chats because we love the Super Chats. Um, but but the fact of the matter is, I don't care if he was a consultant for seven years, If talking about Jeff Saturday. Reggie Wayne is on the staff. He's mm-hmm. a coach. And moreover, in this age of you're just giving it to your drinking buddy and it's not a great look. And I understand that they circumvented the Rooney rule because you don't have to follow the Rooney yeah. rule for an in-season hire. But you had an opportunity here where another living legend from your team is already there and beloved by the team. So and I don't what understand. What else I, is I Reggie Wayne? What's that? What else is Reggie Wayne? He's 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 black. He's, he's a, black a person guy. of color. He's a man of color. And again, and that is an opportunity for a franchise that I can tell you this from like having covered multiple games in there. Great venue, but let's be real here. The Midwest, it's you know not exactly diverse, and the Colts 
staff in front office and the decisions that they have made over the past 20 plus some odd years are not really that diverse in terms of creating diversity mm-hmm. among the people and, and the personnel and in charge. I know there's going to be people who are like, oh, well, it's not a racing race is undoubtedly an element of this. When you look at right. the landscape of NFL coaching and who gets overlooked and all that, is it the sole thing? Absolutely not. There's a personal connection that Saturday had to Jim Irsay in this, but uh, look, Maybe he starts a trend here, and maybe this is something we start to see more of. They got a tough schedule, man. It could be good. They got to go to the Vikings. They got to go to the Cowboys. Like, listen, it would be really nice. And I think, I do think there is some merit to Jeff Saturday is just coming at this from he's an outside, Mm -hmm. which honestly, like knowing all the crap that was going on, it's almost better to bring somebody in from the outside. So they're just approaching this from a football perspective. Um, So I, I listen, it might work. It might not. And you know what? The fact that, did you, I mean, you love Ted Lasso too, right? Or no, you, you don't watch Ted Lasso. I've watched it. I've okay. Watched. Um, did you see Jeff Saturday when he first was hired, his first mm-hmm. Wednesday presser? And he goes, I may be really good at this. I may coach eight games and walk away and say, God bless you. This is not for me, but I damn sure I'm not going to back down. And all I could think was this is Ted Lasso. And I love it because there's something to be said for that. I give him credit. Um, but yeah. Oh what? wait. Uh, can I can I also read for you? Uh, this is Edgar and James. Do you know who that is? Edgar and James. Edgar and James. Yes. Yes. I call I'm, it. I, I've always said Edgar. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm very much aware of who Edgar. Yes. Is. Yes. Uh, running back for the Colts. Legendary running back. Um, here he took a picture with Reggie himself and Jeff Saturday at Sunday's game, to which he said, "Jeff Saturday with the W. Go Colts. This is America. FYI." Five presidents have never been elected to public office before becoming oh, president. Goodness. Zach Taylor, Ulysses S. Grant, Herbert Hoover, Dwight D. Eisenhower, and Donald Trump. Oh my Elite Jesus. company. Jesus. Elite. Uh, well, look, maybe this guy will become a coach one day. His name is Tom Brady, and he might be a coach, but one thing he is not, Mia, is a wide receiver. Brady lined up as a receiver, though, over in Germany. The Bucks faced the Seahawks this weekend. And for the first time in his career as a receiver, he went uncovered. And your boy, Leonard Fournette, threw the ball to him. Well, Brady oh, slipped. <laughs> and then Seattle's Tariq Woolen made a leaping interception. Going to win defensive rookie of the year if, uh, if, Sha- if uh, Sauce Gardner doesn't. And as Brady was on the ground, he stuck a foot out and Woolen tripped over it. Preventing I can't say I'm surprised. He would, be, he, would be, he would be a Duke great if Coach K recruited him. Um. What the hell are we doing here throwing Tom Brady the ball? Trying is, trying to just throw spaghetti what, against what, the wall, see what sticks. They're in a shitty division. Yeah. We've talked about that very Julio Jones had to go all the way to Germany to find the end zone, John. That's where we're at. <laughs> so did Chris Godwin. Both but, had not caught a touchdown before this year. I'm all for Todd Bowles getting creative. I'm all for Byron Leftwich getting creative. I'm sure Brady saw this and was like, oh, okay, whatever. What are we going to do? But – Man, I mean, the Bucks end up walking away fine here at the end of the day, but this reeks of desperation to me, doesn't oh, it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, but also, like you said, they play in such a questionable division that it's it's okay. Like, they can, like, try things out because guess who's chasing them in the division? The Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, and the New Orleans Saints. So they have the luxury of they can kind of dick around and see what, you know, 
find out what happens. Um, and so I applaud them because their offense, and yes, obviously they lost three offensive linemen in the preseason. The other two have been banged up. They've been rotating guys in. The running game is non-existent. So I give them credit for at least trying because for a while they were trying to fit a circle peg into a square hole. And while I do think this is still more of that, at least they are trying. And at sure. least that means that I have less people in my mentions being like, well, you know, at least we didn't hire Byron Leftwich and Jackson. One thing Brady did say was he felt like this team was lacking competitive drive. And when you're running a play like this, is that competitive? There's nothing wrong with trickery. I get that. Especially going against the Seahawks. The Seahawks are good. Seahawks are good. Yeah. Good. I mean, they have a good defense. They're not going against the Raiders or the Colts. They play hard. So, Doing this, unless they have like an under the table deal with the NFL where the NFL is like, look, we're trying to make inroads in this market, do some razzle dazzle there, get Tom Brady his first career touchdown catch in, in Munich, and all of a sudden we're going to love it. So maybe that was what happened here. Who's to say? Roger Goodell's like, here's a 20. Todd Bowles slips it under. They're still going to win the division. Like, that's the fact of the matter. Is You know what? Because in terms of having the roster talent to compete with Tampa, the Falcons, well, technically the Saints are next, but the Saints are so far out of it, it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, The Falcons would probably be second, and it's the Falcons, the same team that uh, brought to you by 28-3 to um, in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I understand Arthur Smith's a different coach than Dan Quinn, but I think that they can't get past that mind block. Um, So, yeah, so the the Bucs are still going to win the division. I'm not worried, Um, and I, I think that, this was just another attempt of, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say this, John. Okay. And I've never been a 45-year-old divorcee who gets a tattoo and shaves my head or something like that. That That is what this is for Tom You Reed. cannot get past his divorce. That oh, is- no, I, I don't. I just enjoy Again, I'm here for content. Ooh. That's what I'm here. I'm here for, it's, this is know your news. Like, you know, like it doesn't have to be about the sports stuff. We talk about sports. I, I, you love his divorce. Well, I don't like I will say this. I don't agree with TMZ going after apparently Giselle's dating their kids jujitsu instructor now. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Divorce was finalized like three weeks ago. Like let it be. Let the body, you know, get yeah. cold and then we can worry about what, that. What'd you think of the uh, the product in Germany? Do you think that was a good venue for them? Yeah, I did. I really did. And the audience seemed so into it. Not that it's they not in Europe. Wave. In London. They, uh, they well, had to embody every bad habit about American sports. Right. But they, I mean, it they definitely... went and they got their overpriced hot dog meal, Brian. They went and they drank their overpriced beer and then they did the GD wave. And then they sang Take Me Home Country Roads. They may as well have done God Bless America with Kate Smith's version. Listen, I, oh, but I, listen, I, well, Kate Smith, I understand is a controversial figure, but how would you, that's nostalgia. That's Americana, if you ask me. Okay. In Germany. Gotcha. All right, uh, let's let's keep. Rolling. So you got an F one race going outside your house. I'm trying to figure out if that's uh, the cars going past my my street or yours. Her. I think it's that's mine. Her. I don't think it's mine. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> I was. That's why I was taking my. I'm like, is there like an F one race going on outside? Yeah, but, I will say this. I know we don't have any college football. Oh no, we actually do. We do have college. Eh, we have college a little bit on the docket here tonight on yeah. uh, on Out of Bounds. But uh, I do live next door to some Tennessee fans, so I know uh, mm-hmm. they're revving the engines because it's not over yet, baby. There's right. still a chance. The playoff. It could still happen. Go TCU. That's all I got to say on that. Or frogs. But this next one is college, and I know you were very excited to talk about this one. Yes, I am, because I have a personal anecdote about it. Okay, so um, this was hilarious. The Trinity Baptist, Georgia Southern. I actually think I'm calling the Trinity Baptist and Georgia Southern games against UNF basketball this season. So this is actually a really good prep for me. Um, Basketball game, Trinity Baptist, Georgia Southern on Saturday. Right after Georgia Southern sinks a free throw, the court was flooded with toilet paper rolls. Yes, 
That's correct. They just threw the whole paper roll and they let it fly. Um, play had to be stopped so the on-court staff could clean it all up. Apparently, this has been a tradition of the school for over 30 years at good old Georgia Southern. The men's basketball program even told fans to bring toilet paper to throw on the court after the first basket was made. The tradition worked for the game. Georgia Southern wins by 21, 53, 32. Oof, low scoring barn burner. It was also the Eagles' first win of the season after they lost their first two games on the 8th and the 10th. What is your favorite weird fan tradition? So um, I will tell you this, John. William Penn, which is an NAIA school in Iowa. Let me guess there, in Iowa. Yes, it is in Iowa. But I actually knew about it before I moved to Iowa. It is in Oskaloosa, Iowa, by the way, so Des Moines area. Um, I knew about it because ESPN had done a feature on it. They call it Silent Night. And it's kind of like they do it closer to the holidays. Yeah. So they, so the fans are silent until the first basket is made. And that's when they throw the toilet paper and they have a giant party and play is stopped so that all the kids can run around and scream and dance. And, and usually it's around Christmas time. So they also de- deck up in like Christmas gear and it's awesome. I've heard, I've heard of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Let us know yours guys. Cause I would love, there's probably some that we don't even know about that are out there. Kynchat.com or just leave a super chat right on YouTube. Uh, this, this was cool. I will say this Mia. I know what it's like to have toilet paper thrown at me because uh, upon because you did mischief night in in New Jersey. That's why I have had it thrown at me. But upon making my return to an independent wrestling promotion this past year, because I'm just so beloved, uh, I got got in in Portland, Maine. I got hounded with toilet paper from the audience hounded. And uh, it is very intimidating. So it's not a surprise to hear that Georgia Southern came away with a win in this one I, that was i'm mostly excited because i actually i am calling those two games i just looked up the schedule so i'm like very excited that i can use this now as a as a, a talking point during the broadcast um why do we think toilet paper is the move let's before we get to other weird traditions like why is toilet paper the move it's easy to clean up it's 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 annoying enough that if you got hit with it you're probably not getting hurt but it's like you know, that, it's soft that, that was that was a charmin Maybe yeah. it's charming. It's soft enough. Yeah. So and it's, it's okay. e- easy to clean. And I, I, I think that was probably why. And mm-hmm. I find it fascinating that the school encouraged them to bring it. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, you know, it's a, in, a, in a world in which, you know, like we were talking on my show, we talked about it here on this show too, about fan of uh, fans storming the court and field. Mm-hmm. This is at least a like organized, yeah. the, the school knows it's coming. Mm-hmm. They know how to clean it up. They bring the proper cleaning materials. It's okay. So uh, weird fan traditions for me. Um, I will never truly as much as I respect them. Someone tweeted this about the Jaguars and I kind of feel the same way about the bills. Um, you, you can't question them because I both fear and respect them equally when it comes to bills fans. Um, yeah. The jumping on the tables. I don't understand it, I'm but not, I respect yeah. it, but jumping I respect it through tables. <laughs> yeah, through through the tables. Um, but then also the ketchup and mustard. I, 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 I don't understand it, but I respect it. So I, I, I leave it to them. Um, love me the roll call at Yankee Stadium with the bleacher creatures. Mm-hmm. Every single game that's been played at Yankee Stadium for the last 40 years or so, 35 mm-hmm. years, they get the roll call where every player gets a little share. I think that's a cool little tradition. Um, you know who also, speaking of ba- college basketball, um, I was talking to, um, shout out to UNF head basketball coach Matthew Driscoll, been at the helm for the Ospreys a uh, dozen years now. Uh, he said to me last year, their non-conference, they scheduled an absolute gauntlet. Like they went and played like Kentucky and Texas and TC. They, they went everywhere. 
Arizona State, UCLA, they played at Poly Pavilion. He said the best atmosphere they played at last year when he asked the guys after the season. And he said, quite frankly, in his 12 years, it's been the best atmosphere. It was Grand uh, Canyon in Phoenix. And that's because they really have built up this like student section where they all dress up like reptiles and dress up in costume. And and he said that is that was one of the craziest atmospheres because they embraced having the student section on top of the court. Um, And while we're on the subject of Arizona, no, not Carrie Lake. um, uh, Let's talk about the the uh, at Arizona State, the basketball team where James Harden played, how they have um, the the, under the curtain. They have the, the bird. Have mm-hmm. you seen this? Mm-hmm. How the bird the bird comes out behind the curtain? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That that one's kind of weird too. Quinnipiac, my alma mater, their hockey program is one of the best in the country, and they put guys dressed as Teletubbies behind. Mm, I like that behind the home net. Very nice. So when the players are shooting on goal, they have to look at Teletubbies. I love that. Can we quickly, before we move to the next topic, can we do our Mount Rushmore of um, live mascots? Because my rankings have changed lately. Well, Gritty's number one. Like, no, no, live, live. Animal like, 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 yes. Like, like, yes. Animal yes. I want you to please give me the animal. That is your favorite because I, I hate to say it, um, but Smokey has moved above Ugga in my rankings. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I'm very impressed with the fact that Smokey actually makes an entrance uh, he he is part of the team that runs onto the field. Uga, I love you. You just chill, and that's great. But Smokey's out here burning calories, man. Okay. Um, Give that to you. So Smokey's up there. I, I do want to meet Ralphie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ralphie is, of course, the Buffalo for the Colorado yep. uh, University of Colorado, Colorado yeah. University. Mm-hmm. Yep, the Buffalo. Um, and then Uga's still up there because I love Uga. Um, got rolls and everything, so. And then people really like Bevo, Bevo, however you pronounce it, the the bull, the Texas. Mm. People really like it. I'm not so sure. It almost. I mean, that's why. Uga. I mean, things can really break down with that. I'd have yeah, to. Yeah, he that. tried to eat Uga at the Sugar Bowl a couple years ago. That's not I'd allowed. I'd have to think about that. Hmm. Okay, I'll put some thought into that. Yeah. Next uh, time. Next show. I mean, maybe I, maybe Smokey or Uga will do something fun this weekend. Now. Maybe. I mean, they, heard, I was, they watch. They watch out of bounds. They know. I wish Gritty was an actor. Oh, I know who I can't forget. I can't forget Griff, which is the Drake Bulldog mascot, nope. um, because he is also another bulldog. And I know you love small dogs, and he's fantastic. You, the first, uh, uh, we got one in the chat here. Uh, Herbie from Nebraska. Mm, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've, if someone were to embrace like a poodle as a mascot, that's number one for me. Yeah, I'm trying to think who would do the poodle. Small dog. Hey, listen, Yukon Huskies, we're waiting. Mm. You're, you're bull eligible. The next step, the there next is logical not, step yeah. is to please get a dog yes. and have him parade around your field. Yes. Like we prance. are demanding it. Prance. Uh, speaking of prancing, uh, Joel Embiid basically did that. Yes, <laughs> this, this. that is a very good description. Uh, because he was unbelievable against the Utah Jazz, a 59 point. 11 rebound, 8 assists, and 7 blocks showing. He Look, we know that Embiid is one of the perennial stars of this league. There's no doubting that. But he's doing this in an era where all I hear about in the NBA, and I'm sure you hear about it too, is, well, the only way to become a true star in this league is if you're a star guard or you can shoot the three. And that's not Joel Embiid's game. He can shoot for a big guy. Right. He's, he's added it to his game. But he's a dominant big man. We haven't seen performances like this since Shaquille O'Neal. 
that's the caliber of what this is at. So how odd is it that we have an outlier like this? And can this be a path to reinvigorating the big man in the NBA? Because I love a good big man, and there just aren't that many of them anymore in the NBA. So I'll say this much. The big man has evolved. Um, he's, yep, no yep, longer, he's, now, right, he's no longer he's no longer he's no longer Shaq. He's not going to post up to the basket. No. It's not Kim Olajuwon. That's not the game. You have to um, be Nikola Vucevic to be successful. Right. But I would tell you, Nikola Jokic has been the MVP. How many years running now? Uh, and Giannis Antetokounmpo won an NBA title two years ago and is also a top five player in the league. And so I believe the movement is already here, courtesy of the non-Americans that play in the National Basketball Association. But I will tell you this, John. Um, I am an AP top 25 voter again, second year in a row for men's basketball. Um, I am not alone. And when I read you my personal preseason All-American list, um, because all but one of these players did make the first team preseason All-American list for the AP top 25. Oscar Sheebway, the returning player of the year from Kentucky. Uh, we don't know if he's actually going to play, but that's that's a story for another time. Um Drew Timmy, Gonzaga, obviously not your traditional big man. He's the new Perry Ellis. He never seems to graduate, but he obviously plays more of a forward center position, even if he does step out and shoot. Or Mondo Baycott, UNC, similar. Hunter Dickinson from Michigan is probably the biggest thing, closest thing to a throwback that you're going to find in college basketball right now. And then I do have Jaime Jaquez of UCLA who plays more of a wing role, but that's the only wing in my starting five. And there was a lot of discussion among the AP voters and a lot of national, national college basketball media of, it was pretty much known because they were like, there's a very good chance that four of the five players are bigs. And when you're making this list, you know, they want, you know, oh, have the point guard, have the shooting guard, have this. And everyone just said, no, I'm going to pick the five best players. And it just happens that four out of the five of them are big men. And so that I think is going to be great for the NBA. While I don't think all those guys translate to the National Basketball Association, we are seeing, because these guys are having success in college, we are seeing the next generation of big men say, okay, I do want to play in the NBA though. So I need to learn how to shoot the three, but I still can post up if I need to. I'm just curious if, I'm curious if the coaching mentality changes when you have a guy like Embiid show up in the NBA because we are so ingrained to having to be able to shoot, which again, he can, but there's just something wholesome and gritty about having a big man who can bully a little bit in the paint and show their prowess. It's kind of a throwback to yesteryear in the NBA where you had guys in the early 90s, the Shaqs, the Olajuwans, eventually Tim Duncan, who was kind of a hybrid power forward center who could also shoot a little bit if he needed to. These guys that the Alonzo Mornings, the Dikembe Mutombos, when you have someone the versatility of Joel Embiid, I think it lays the groundwork for other guys to say, hey, there is a path here to do this. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I, again, like I said, I think right now we're seeing it be a lot of the European side. Um, not that I would classify Joel Embiid as being necessarily European. Since obviously he, he did play college basketball here in, uh, at Kansas. Um, but I think you are seeing, yeah, there we go. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, there's some sort of parade going on outside my house. Who would have thought? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're starting to see the advent of the big man, albeit in a different form. You're, you're seeing that right now. Um, and I think that in terms of coaching, what's going to be fascinating is, is this big man is also going to be able to take it up the floor. How do you guard them? Like, are you guarding him as a point guard? Are you guarding him as a center? Are you guarding him as a wing? Like, you know, and I think, I think that's where it's going to be interesting in terms of the matchups of everyone's going to need one. It's going to kind of become like, 
the X number one X wide receiver, the number one wide receiver in the National Football League. If you don't have one, it's an arms race to find one and to add one to your roster. Um, and so I think you're going to start seeing that as well with this position. Well, but then the if you're making an NFL comparison, then you look at it how tight ends started to change mm-hmm. in the last five years, where all of a sudden tight ends have to be able to catch. Yep. They have to be able, you know, you you of course talking have, tight ends. They're they're a dime a dozen, but you, the catching you t- the if you, you catch, get a good pass catching tight end, that changes everything. You had your Tony Gonzalez's, you had your Antonio Gates, who played college basketball, of course, and guys of that caliber. But when you do open up the field with a tight end that can catch, that's like literally how the New York Giants are winning right now. Right. So, I think in the NBA, I just. I understand the value of three point, but imagine if you had a guy who did dominate the floor like that, where other teams are not built to defend that, which we're seeing with Embiid teams are not built to defend that. So as a result, you set yourself on a path until teams can adjust to that. And I just don't think that's something that's easy to do. So uh, yeah, let's keep rolling here. Mia, what do we got next? Yeah, okay. Uh, Let me read this one out for you. Um, A baseball glove personally donated by Babe Ruth, to the St. Louis Browns third baseman Jimmy Austin sold Saturday at the 19th annual Louisville Slugger Museum and Factory Auction for $1.53 million, shattering the record paid for a baseball glove. The previous record is believed to be $387,500 for a Lou Gehrig glove, which was sold to the, with Sotheby's in 1999. That's a, about $700,000 cheaper, granted 23 years ago. In 2013, a Jackie Robinson glove, believed to have been used in both the 1955 and 1956 World Series, sold for just over $373,000 by Steiner Sports. John, what is one sports artifact or item you would pay an absurd amount of money for? Let's look at this first right here. How about that glove? It looks like a golf glove. It really does. I mean, can you imagine catching a line drive on this thing? I'm gonna use. I'm gonna start playing with a golf glove. I'm gonna start catching baseballs. Like Babe Ruth was also a pitcher at this time, and imagine like a screaming line drive right at you, and you're trying to catch it with this. Oh my goodness! But remarkably preserved, isn't it? Shocked that there weren't more broken bones and fingers and thumbs and right. ligaments back well, in the day. To be fair, we don't know what old Haas Rayburn had to go through back in the day or any of that. But so I'm not a big sports memorabilia person. What I do love, though, is stadium memorabilia. I mm, love stadium. I like that. I feel like stadiums and venues, historic sports venues, are more ingrained in our culture than people realize. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you go to Fenway Park, you're going to see the Red Sox, but you're going for the experience of Fenway Park. Uh, you've been to Daytona International Speedway. You know when you walk in there, there's just something different about walking in there than other venues. And you've covered Watkins Glen and all that stuff. And it's just different. It's not the same. So for me, if I were to spend big money, it would have to be on something stadium memorabilia-wise. And I think it would probably be OG Yankee Stadium memorabilia. I will one day when I have enough money to afford my own man cave, I will get a pair of Yankee Stadium seats. No doubt about that. That will be. But, but you're also experiences over memorabilia. I, I very much so, one hundred percent of the way. But if I had to, it would be that. And I think part of it too, Mia, is that when you're a sportscaster or a sports reporter, you kind of lose a little bit of because you have to for to remain impartial you lose some of that fan the the fanism you lose the fandom but you also lose that mystique around players right 
Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go out there and spend $100,000 on a signed Derek Jeter thing. You, you okay. understand what I'm saying there? You want to know who does? Who? Doug Marone. What so Doug- former, former Jacksonville Jaguars and Buffalo Bills head coach Doug Marone, good personal friend of mine, um, huge Yankee fan, grew up in the Bronx, grew up a stone's throw from the Bronx. This man, John, and yes, he obviously has a lot of money from coaching both in the college and NFL ranks. But he spends, outside of obviously, you know, his children and his wife and his family, this man spends every free dollar he has on memorabilia. He has Babe Ruth. He's got Lou Gehrig. He's got Mickey Mantle. He's got every sign, baseball, and bat you can imagine from the Yankees. He couldn't wait to show me when I was at his house a couple of years ago. Um, he's just got, like, a whole wall of it, which, like, my thing is, is, like, it was super cool to see. And, like, I got to hold it. But, like, then, but then, like, what happens after that? Wore off after that. I'm like, okay, this is great. But, like. I have a, a Tanyan Sturt sign ball over there. Oh, that's I love I have, a, uh, I have a Flash Gordon sign ball at my parents' house. Flash, uh, it, Flash Gordon and Paul Quantrill. That's all I've ever oh, asked for. Yeah, this Quantrill, life of sin, right? Uh, relief pitchers signing yeah. my ball that Mr. Met gave to me at a Yankees-Mets game. Interesting. I had yes. Vance Wilson, the backup catcher for the O2 New York Mets signed a hat that said quad squad which was an off-branded hat for had the Yankees beaten the Diamondbacks in the World Series that is a very niche story that I have that is what is is something that you would pay a lot of money from in the sports memorabilia Mm, in the sports memorabilia round Um, see music memorabilia I'd be more inclined to but yeah memorabilia specifically yeah I mean I think it's you know for me I mean my only team that I really cling to a super fandom to would be the Yankees um and so I would you know I would say something from the old Yankee stadium I do love the thought of seats from a stadium um I was just at one of my friend's houses who I was at two Saturdays ago last Saturday I forget when it was but I was over there and uh they have the seats from uh the from the old brave stadium and then they have a couple from uh, when the Jags did the renovation at the Gator Bowl as well. So he literally has two sets of stadium seats. That's really cool. And again, you want to know why I like it? Because you can use it. Like, it's super cool to see. Yeah. And it's an, it's an artifact, but you can use it. I'm, I, I just don't. And it's like you're watching the game in the old seats. How cool is that? Exactly. I don't, I just don't, like, I love, like, memorabilia. Like, I love memorabilia and the thought of it. But spending all that money when you could use that money to like get an experience, right. something you're going to use. Like, no, it's it's only when you have fu money can you do these sorts right. of things. In my, it's opinion. true. No, but there are people like I can tell you this. Like we've got a lot of Jags fans here in town that like they go around collecting signed jerseys and like they put it up in their man cave and we get pictures of it. And God bless them because I would not want to be using my money to frame up these jerseys that are signed and inevitably the player gets traded away two years later. Um, so that would, that would just not be me. Um, I, I prefer the experiences. That's why I want to, I want to shout out my boys, uh, Chris Ebrio, Eric Dunn, who are on a mission to go to every NFL stadium, uh, Jags fans here in town. And uh, they just, they drop their money and they go. And uh, Eric uh, number 18 yesterday. So listen, let us know yours guys. If you would drop a ton of money on some sort of sports artifact or memorabilia, Leave us a super chat on YouTube or KYNchat.com. We got one more topic here to talk about on this edition of Out of Bounds. This was, <laughs> I, I love this one. This is so great. We just did an episode of my podcast with Matt Hardy, The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, which drops every single week at ExtremeHardy.com, uh, about the time that he boxed Evander Holyfield at Madison Square Garden as part of a segment. And he said Evander Holyfield was a super cool dude, very easy going. His kid played at Georgia, too. So when I saw this story, I was like, this is a perfect one to end our show with. So 
what do we see here, Mia? Who, who, who are those two individuals? Well, the man with the tattoos is Mike Tyson, John. I yes. know that much. And mm-hmm. the other man is Evander Holyfield. Yes. Um, all, two two great legendary boxers uh, for the first time here on Out of Bounds. We are going to talk boxing, um, but we're really not talking boxing. No. They have partnered to create and deliver holy ears, which are <laughs> edibles in the shape of an ear. Of course, you might recall Evander Holyfield had his ear bitten by Mike Tyson more than almost 25 years ago now. It's just, just crazy. 1997, yep. Yeah, so this went super viral at the time, if you could do that. And Tyson was certainly a questionable character at that time and place. But it seems bygones are bygones, and they have put this behind them. Mike Tyson has been an outspoken uh, advocate of cannabis and cannabis products. And Tyson said, if I was on cannabis, I wouldn't have bit his ear, referring to that incident in 1997. How oddly wholesome is this, Mia O'Brien? I mostly love the fact that they have ugly Christmas sweaters on and they're sitting in front of a fireplace. This is perfect. It's wholesome for the whole family. Mm. And this holiday season and the season of giving, give yourself an ear and lend your ear, if you know what I mean. Of course. To, to the good people of the boxing world, especially Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. Who, I don't know what else Evander Holyfield's up to, to these days because his kid's not playing in the NFL. And if he is, he's like on a practice squad. So I don't think, like, like I don't know he's what else to do. doing a lot of those like celebrity boxing things for a yeah. while. But I don't think he's doing much of that. Mike Tyson was at a Jags game a couple of years ago. Mike Tyson so shows up. Yeah, well, he and Tony Collins are like boys. Yeah, he's just hanging. He's chilling as he should. So why not come up with this? So wait, so do we know what, like what flavor are the ears? Uh, let's see. I can try to find that out. Here. Yeah. Like, do we know exactly what they taste like? Like, is this like bird, birdies, bots, birdies, beans, every flavor beans or whatever it is from Harry Potter, where like you got earwax as a flavor or booger. And I mean, they wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had an edible. You don't need to reveal if you have or haven't, but uh, typically they come in different flavors. Uh, I'm looking to see if I can find what the flavors are. Uh, no, it does not appear to be that readily available. Tyson 2.0 is the manufacturer of the cannabis. And on going through a quick look at their site, it would appear. I'm glad the website is launched. We're able to let the people know where they can get, they can lend their ear. Uh, it, it's a or get long... an ear full, if you know yeah. what I mean. It's a lot of merchandise that is related to it. It It doesn't look like they have actually officially rolled out any. Yeah, they haven't officially rolled out any cannabis laced products as of yet. So this will be the first on that. So uh, maybe I'll give it a try. We'll we'll do a little. Maybe that can be the weekly wager. Maybe, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So you're go, how, much, how much is it running right now? I mean, chipping and handling is probably more. I don't think they've even priced it out yet. But typically an edible would run you a good chunk of change. And if it's got Mike Tyson's name attached to it, uh, chances are. Does it come in a box with his face on it? I hope it comes in like a box that's the shape of an ear. And yeah. No, nah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm all about this. This is very wholesome. And I think this is... A great way to wrap our discussion here. Now, I, I, I didn't hold you to the weekly wager from last one because we, we had a week in between. But again, your Phillies lost that World Series. So you are winless here in the week. I am. Yeah, this is not good. Um, but I'm going to give you a chance. I to... was 3-0 and in fantasy this week, though. Okay. First time this year. So the tide's about to change. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a chance here to redeem yourself. 
Okay, let's do it. One of the stories I've been paying a lot of attention to this year in the NFL is what Justin Fields has been doing mm. with the Chicago Bears. The dude is – he set the rushing record for a quarterback a couple weeks ago. He, he was killing it again yesterday. As much as I'm team Trevor, I am still team Justin Fields. I'm so glad that it's it's turned it, – it is as the Lord intended. Sorry, Jets fans. No. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are the two best quarterbacks in the class of 2021, as the Lord intended, and I am very happy about that. Because the NFC South has been a discussion point on our show, the Bears have the Falcons next week. I'm going to set an over-under here, okay? Okay. 120.5 rushing yards for Justin. Rushing Fields. yards, not total yards. You got rushing yards. No, I'm, I'm saying is he going to – he's gonna, not totally. He'll, he's going to throw past that easily. Uh, against, okay. against the Falcons. I'm talking rushing. Right. I mean, this is a guy yeah. that's got rushing records here. Yep. So 120.5 rushing yards against the Falcons, a bad team. Yes. Are you going over that or are you going under that? I'm going under that. I think yeah. 120 is probably a good benchmark. I think the Falcons run defense has actually been halfway decent throughout the course of this year. Um, it's been a little all over the place, but I'm, no. I'm trying to give you a layup here because you're, you're, what you want me to go over 120? No, 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 no. no. I'm yeah. saying I'm trying to give you a layup to win here. This yeah, I'm going under. I'm saying 120 is the benchmark. Okay. All right. I uh, also think that the Bears have two pretty, you know, serviceable running backs in uh, Khalil Herbert and now, uh, what's going to happen? And, and David Montgomery, one great Iowa State Cyclone. Dude's going to break like a 75 yard in the first yard rush in the first quarter. And you're you're gonna be gonna be texting me, and, I, and it's the Jags bye week, so I will be calling a basketball game, and I'm just going to see my phone blowing up. Me. I'll be like, "Thank you, Justin Fields, love you." All right, so I'm going to I'm I, I was going to go 100, but I'm going to go 120.5. Here, okay, um, so if he goes under you will win if he goes over i will win and because it's the season to give this is Mm -hmm. holidays uh the loser of this will have to donate twenty dollars to a charity of their choosing a nice oh i love that that's that's a very nice not bodily functioned wager (laughs) i love that so that will be our weekly wager We've put our wager to the test uh, in terms of what our bodies can sustain, which after all the barbecue I ate this past weekend. Yeah, you haven't had to, but I have. After all the barbecue I ate this weekend, John, um, yeah, probably best we give my body a week off. All right. So that's our weekly wager. We appreciate you guys uh, tuning into this edition of Out of Bounds. Mia, anything that you'd like to add Mm -hmm. here as we wrap up? Any plugs you'd like to throw out? No, just uh, I, I look forward to um, every week just getting to cheers with my good friend, John. And as I tell everyone, uh, and I will tell a lot of our first time listeners, since I see a lot of super chats out there. Um, this is literally the conversation that John and I would be having at one in the morning uh, when we're either just venting to each other about the biz or just driving back from random college football games in the middle of the night. So I hope you enjoy our discussion each week and I hope you come back for more. Yeah. This is not a super chat, but I'll post it up anyway just to comment on this. I, I am not putting my hair on the line. That ain't happening. So I can't that. wait. Thank you, Eddie, for the idea. Get that out of here. Okay. Next week. Next week. Come oh, on back. No, we're not doing that. So uh, appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week right here on Know Your News and Out of Bounds. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.